Elevates on a three. It's an air ball. Wow. And the Aces have gone the road to Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky and stunned the number one Wildcats 67-64. This is Aces on the Air, the official podcast for Evansville Athletics. Craig lines it into center field base hit. Here comes Brooks from around third. He will score. And the Aces walk it off again. Aces on the Air is brought to you by Toroni's Pizzeria and Brewery. Claim a $3 off value at any 2023-2024 UE Athletics event on campus. Sherry sends one into shallow right field. It's a base hit. Here comes Craig around third. There is no throw. Simon says game winner. Now here's the voice of the Aces, Jevin Redmond. This is Aces on the Air, brought to you by Tironi's and powered by Learfield. Hello again, Aces fans. I'm Jevin Rebin. Glad you're with us again this week. Episode 14 brings on a very special guest for me and for so many others at the University of Evansville, Tom Vinson, an Evansville legend. Now, Tom's not going to admit that he's an Evansville legend, but he is. Uh, he graduated from the university back in 2000. He has worked his entire professional career at the university, filling so many different roles. I think Tom has filled about every role possible, maybe outside of coaching one of the teams. But uh, as I mentioned, he graduated back in 2000. He got his start in the sports information field. Uh, he was in charge of the WUEV radio station, uh, the on-campus student station. Then he transitioned to building and running ESPN+. And now he's back on the sports information side. And his title at the moment reads Associate Athletics Director for External Relations. He is the primary media contact for baseball, women's soccer, and swimming. And uh, with baseball season coming up, we'll preview the baseball season, reflect on last year and what this group needs to do in terms of making the next step uh, to make the NCAA tournament. Tom will also reflect on his career at the University of Evansville, why he is stuck in his profession for so long, his family, and of course we share some of his favorite memories, moments, wild stories, and much more coming up on this episode of Aces on the Air. Before we get started, I want to thank Tironi's for sponsoring Aces on the Air and remind Evansville fans that whenever you attend any Aces women's basketball game this season at Meeks Family Fieldhouse, pick up that $3 off voucher at the admissions table for your next trip to Tironi's. Let's get to our wide-ranging conversation with Tom Benson. I had an absolute blast doing this episode. It's almost an hour long. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So here's Tom Benson, the Evansville legend. Tom, thanks for joining us this week. Not the first time we put on a headset together. No, I was going to say, not the first rodeo here. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I feel like I owe you money, uh, calling me an Evansville legend and all that stuff. I mean, uh, I, I'm glad you're getting the checks and they're, they're clearing, but uh, whew, I'm a little embarrassed over here. You know, my, my first question for you, and we're going to talk about your career at Evansville and much more. First off, my concern is... I try to keep this, you know, 30, 45 minutes. We yeah, might that's, have not, like, that's not going to happen. Might have part one, part two, <laughs> and part three. So we'll see how it goes. But is there a job at the University of Evansville that you have not done since you started in 2000? Because you have done a lot. Um, I have not coached. Uh, outside of that, uh, I have not been the interim AD. <laughs> I was the interim director of sports information. Um, but, yeah. And I also don't do fundraising. I'm not, like – 
good at asking people for money. So that's why I'm more behind the scenes. In fact, probably a lot of people, you say, oh, Evansville legend, people know. No, no, they really don't know me. Um, And that's not like, I'm not trying to be standoffish or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's just not my nature. I'm more behind the scenes guy, team player. I don't need my name out there. I was shocked that you asked me to do it. And I was a little disappointed it wasn't like, you know, episode 13, because that would be the unlucky number. But, you know, hey. It's all right. Beggars can't be choosers. Missed it by one week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I say Evansville legend. Maybe people from the outside, or not as many people from the outside, know you. But internally, do you ever look back and just think, all the people I've worked with, student athletes, staff, that's a long list. It is a long list. I mean, and I've worked with some really, really talented people. Um, you know, that that's the thing I don't think people realize is the level of talent of the people that work here. Mm-hmm in the world of college athletics. I mean, I have guys that I've worked with who are athletic directors, who are second in charge, you know, at Power 5 schools, uh, you know, people who have gone on to run major things in collegiate sports in the industry. Uh, You know, just even recently, you know, Josh Remington's over at Washington, director of marketing. Scott Peace is at Kent State running their their marketing stuff. I mean, those guys are, are high level Washington, you know, college football playoff. Mm -hmm. Josh was there and, you know, but also IO Taylor Dixon was my roommate second year out. IO's like number two at a power five school. Like, and the guy is AD level material. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the thing. A lot of people don't realize we've had people who are current ADs now, maybe at a lower level, but they are more than skilled to be, at a higher level. So, I mean, I've just been blessed to work with them. It all started with Bob Boxel, who is the Hall of Fame sports information director. He's not in the Hall of Fame right now, but Mm -hmm. he will be in the Hall of Fame, and I think anyone who knows Bob would agree with that. And, you know, I just learned from him. And without his mentorship, his leadership in the early going, there would be no way I would have survived five years, (laughs) let alone 25 years here. So you go back 2000 when your career started as a professional here. Um, take us through how that all came about because you shared with me before, you know, you basically graduated and then a couple of days you were working, right? Yeah. Uh, so when I was in college, I wanted to be Jevin Redmond before Jevin Redmond yeah, was that. Jevin Redmond. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be like a, a sports broadcaster. I worked at WUEV. I called all these games. I was actually a finalist for broadcaster of the year in the state of Indiana as a junior, mm-hmm. uh, was on the same, you know, ballot as like Bob Lovell and some of the other guys, uh, Don Fisher from IU was on that. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go into sports broadcasting and I'm going to do it at the division one level. Well, back then there were only, you know, 280, 300 division one jobs and, mm-hmm. Being a college kid, you don't necessarily think sometimes of, hey, you know, there are only 280 of these jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. You may have to start at a lower level. Um, my senior year, that hit me right in the face. And I was like, ah, do I really want to put in that grind and everything like that? Especially since I had just met the woman who would become my wife. And I knew she was going to be my wife when I met her. I mean, we met, and the first day she was like, hey, baseball tonight's on downstairs. You want to go watch? I, I about proposed right <laughs> then and there uh, to Amy uh, just because she was speaking my language. Um, but I didn't want to go out far, so they had talked in sports information. They need help, so I started there, and it 
there was a position open at the end of the year. I applied for it mid-year, finally got it in March. And instead of going out, I had offers to do radio elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing that, I just decided to stay here because I felt like I needed to stay close to Amy and, and develop that relationship more. So, yeah, called a baseball game on a Friday, graduated on a Saturday, called a baseball game on a Sunday, started in sports information on a Monday, and I literally have not left. <laughs> Well, you've mentioned a lot of town of people have come through these doors at Evansville and, and gone on to, um, you know, bigger universities, Power Fives and whatnot. And I think you fit in that category in terms of being extremely talented and probably could have gone on in bigger universities. But you've fallen in love with the university you went to school at. You love the city of Evansville. You mentioned a wife and family. So as you kind of look back on your career here and your family, talk about your family a bit. How are they doing? How important are they to you? Because you have to balance that career and family life, right? Well, I mean, they're, I mean, they're the whole reason why I do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly... Um, because here's the other thing a lot of people don't realize. You work here in college athletics, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> like, I hate to break that to people. If people knew what I made 25 years in, mm -hmm. they would scratch their heads and be like, are you serious? And I've had that reaction when I've told people what I make. And But it's not about the money. I have stayed because I love the university. I honestly don't know if I'd be on this planet if it weren't for the people at the university when I was in school here. They gave me my wife, who is my best friend and the person that I could not experience life with out. And then we've had two amazing kids because of it. So like the family part is the most important part. I've always said I've stayed to try to get free tuition for my kids. I don't know if I can stay that long, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, because it's been really tough sacrificing everything that I've missed mm -hmm. with my son and now with my daughter. And I don't know if I, if I could have done it all over again, I don't know if I would have, would have stayed, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's tough to say that. But looking back, I miss so much with my son. And that's, that's my biggest regret in life mm -hmm. is the stuff that I have missed while having to work. Because people don't realize when you work in college athletics, it is not 40 hours a week. No. Like you are working 40 hours a week plus so probably 20 to 30 hours in games, either on the weekends or anything like that. And it's not stuff that you see. Like a lot of the people see the game that is at one o'clock that lasts until three. But what they don't see is a lot of us show up at nine in the morning to work that game and we're there until five. Right. So there's eight hours right there. Like this past weekend, we did women's basketball Friday night at six. Well, I was in at eight and I left here at 11. Then I got to Ford Center at 10 o'clock. We had the game Saturday. Now, I, I will admit, I actually left midway through because my daughter is playing second grade basketball and I am coaching on the team. And you know what? It was one of those things. I could either spend the hour of the second half there or I could go to practice and spend it with my daughter. And no offense to Coach Raglan or the guys or anything like that, but that's an easy one for me to choose. Right sure. Now. Yeah. And then we came back on Sunday and I was literally here at 10 o'clock and I didn't leave until 11, 11, 15 because we not only had the game, then we had to break down the gym. Then I had to deal with some other stuff. Then I had to come back to set up for baseball and softball media day, which was yesterday, which ran from eight until four thirty. So it's never ending. Yeah. No, it really is. You know, and, and I don't put in that many of hours, but the one thing people think I just show up and talk about the game and leave for me. Yeah. You go home and you have highlights to cut, you have interviews to post, you have game prep and you do 
you know, radio call-in shows and this and that. So my, I don't have kids, but the thing that bugs me a lot is when I leave work, I have a hard time shutting it off. Yes. And going home and just either watching a game or watching a show. I'm always thinking about, hey, I have to do this, this, and this, or do prep. And so, yeah, you're working way more than 40 hours in a week. Uh, but again, it is rewarding. You have those, is. You, you have those moments you're like, hey, this is why I do it. Um, what are some of those moments you think in your career that you're like, hey, this is why I sacrifice for the student athletes. This makes it worth it. What is that for you? Just the interaction with the student athletes. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to know these kids and get to talk to them and they tell you, hey, you know what? I see what you're doing and I really appreciate the job that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're making a difference in my life. That's the most important thing. Because let's be honest, here, 95% of, well, actually, you could probably go 98% of the student athletes who are here, they're not going pro. They're looking for a enjoyable experience that can help prepare them to get ready for the next however many years of their life. And if you can be a small part of that and help them along in the journey because they are struggling with the same things that everyone else struggles with while also trying to maintain and play at the highest level of collegiate athletics. Like if you can just, you know, put a smile on their face, make them laugh, like make them feel appreciated. And then they tell you, hey, you know what? I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Like that's the most important thing because we're we're all just trying to get along on this fun journey they call life and uh you know it's just it's great i also think too like when athletes come back whatever five ten years they're like hey remember when this happened like that's oh, yeah. pretty rewarding too because all the memories and i'm starting to reach that now you know i graduated college in, in 2017 and some of those athletes that i cover they're having kids now and growing yeah. up and when I see them, like, hey, remember five, ten years ago you were calling my games at USI and that kind of stuff? So I'm starting to get those type of rewards and relationships with student-athletes. So I, I find that very enjoyable. I will, t- I will tell you, I mean, that's the, that's the most fun. Because, like, if you were to go on my Facebook friends list, mm-hmm. yes, I'm old. I still <laughs> use Facebook. Um, a lot of them are former student-athletes. Yeah. A lot of them are people that, you know, are in my phone. I text. I'm like, hey. What's going on? And we'll joke about some game back in 2004 where they're like, you remember when we were on that road trip and you won that hula competition with a grass skirt and coconut bra in Hawaii? I'm like, yeah, you never (laughs) let me down in reminding me about that, you know, but they laugh about it. I laugh about it. My my wife, she tries to put that out of her mind because that was not one of my uh, finer moments. (laughs) Although I won the competition, so I don't know what she's complaining about. It's, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, those are the things. And and to be able to see them when they come back, and it's almost like we didn't, we haven't missed a beat. And that's that's the most important part. What's tougher for you, working a 75-hour week or being a Cleveland sports fan? That, that may be the toughest question. <laughs> Easily being a Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> I mean, come on, Jeff. <laughs> you just... Just took the knife and just jabbed it right in there. Um, I could, I've, I've done enough 75 hour work weeks, I could do them standing on my head. Of course, I've also watched enough Cleveland Browns debacles. Like, yeah, I could do that standing on my head too. But it's and get- yes, I actually watch every game. But it's getting better. I mean, Cleveland made the playoffs. I know it was disappointing. They did. First game. Yeah, we don't need to talk. I forget, I forget who the basketball team was playing that day on the playoffs. Do you remember? Oh, uh, was that Missouri State? It was, yes. Yes. Yeah, because I felt bad because Rick Kindhart, the SID from Missouri State, who I'm a good friend 
friends with came in and was trying to talk to me while things were turning south in the Browns-Texans game. That's right, because I walked into the room. You were, you were watching while, while working, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked in. I kind of joked because it was still a close game, but the Browns were losing. I walked back in 30 minutes later, and it was like they were down 17, 21 points. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just walk in and walk out and not say a word. Yeah. But Rick, now, now I remember, Rick made the comment. You were walking across the court. He's like, man, it looks like. Tom's dog just passed away. I said, well, the Browns lost. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically the same thing. <laughs> yep, yep. It, I mean, it's close. I'd, no, I can't say that sentence. <laughs> it is a podcast. We, yes, we, we start it to be is. careful. It it's is. a university I know, podcast. I know. Yes. We've got to draw some lines there. Yep. We'll, yep. Say, we'll say it for our car rides come baseball season. Oh, um, man, I love those car rides. Baseball season is approaching. We'll preview yeah. the Aces season here shortly. Um, wanted to bring up your WUEV days. I miss you know, that place. The university you know, doesn't have the, the campus station anymore. It's been several years since it's been here. But what are some of your favorite memories of that place? Because I know it was very special to you. I mean, when I walked into that place freshman year, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. Um, and that had a lot to do with the general manager at the time, Len Clark. I mean, he he's a mentor. He's a friend. I definitely would not be where I am without Len today. Uh, but he empowered those students who worked there to do everything and really provided opportunities. And I look back at my student years. I mean, I called NCAA tournaments in women's soccer and men's basketball and women's basketball and – I worked with a team that went to the NCAA tournament in baseball, and the men's soccer went to the NCAA tournament my first year. And I remember, you know, working that game back in the studio, hosting the conference tournament in baseball back when it was here in 98. That was maybe the most enjoyable time of my life because we had whole crews, and we called every single game on a rotational basis. And we were doing shows back in the studio in between games and showing – you know, airing highlights and talking about the games and previewing matchups and everything like that. Like you really learn how to be a professional broadcaster and it was so much fun. And then, you know, when I stepped, when I graduated and went into sports information, I was still able to be a part of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just working in sports information, calling those games uh, with Len and then with Mike Crowley and then with Brandon Gauden. Um, I mean, (laughs) one of the more enjoyable crazy experiences uh, was we went out to the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament in Wichita in 09 and uh, it was West Carroll's first year make the tournament go out there and win the first game we're like, yeah lose the second game uh, it's kind of standard yeah come out of the losers bracket we play a marathon game with Missouri State because there were there was a huge a rainstorm and we were battling weather and eliminate the bears and they're like all right you're gonna play wichita state tonight after this next game I'm like okay cool what time nine o'clock we're like oh yeah not a problem well that game went a little long and there was a weather delay and they're like yeah we're not gonna play until 10 we're like okay and then they're like oh you know wichita state still wants to play how about 10 30 we're like okay uh, 11 and so we start the game like right before 11 and there's like 4,000 people in the stadium and it is packed and we play till 2 30 in the morning and we lose and we're eliminated but it was just so much fun like an elimination game way past the hours the fans were into it and juiced and calling the game with Brandon who 
God, that guy's good. Mm -hmm. And just having fun. And yeah, even though we lost, it was still one of those experiences that you always remember. And then being able to run the station for five years was just an absolute blessing, working with those kids and trying to provide some of those same experiences. You know, recently you were able to endure a full week in Terre Haute with me. That's quite, I, quite that, the accomplishment. That, I mean, I, I'm just glad I survived that workout that you took me to. <laughs> so it was my 29th birthday, and I'm like, hey, I want to go get – you know, a morning run-in. I think Evansville was playing Indiana State that day. Yeah. Uh, baseball team won their first two. They beat SIU and Murray State. Big showdown. Number one seed Indiana State. I think it was 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And had some time, so we went to local high school track. And uh, I put uh, Tom Benson through quite the workout. Yeah, I did not. You're still sore, what, yeah. nine months later? Yeah, my legs right now are <laughs> sore because of it. Like, I have never recovered from that workout. I was, like, I, I was working out at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'm in shape. I can do this. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, we're going to do repeating 100s, and so we're going to run the stretch, and then you walk, and then sprint. I'm like, okay, all right, I can do this. I'm competitive. And uh, by the end, I'm like, all right, I'm going to beat him, finally. And so I sprint, and I'm running as hard as I can, and Jevin has not started. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I am here. And we get the last 20 yards, and then you go flying right by me. And I was like, what is going on? You did well, though. My, my favorite part, though, was the next day I wake up. When I and, could not move. Well, you're like, hey, I have to go do something. I was going to take the next day off, and I look yeah. out the window, and you're walking around the hotel parking lot trying to get you know all the, the soreness out, basically. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. you had to get the lactic acid out. Yeah, so. I know the conference tournament is for baseball is one of your favorite events you know, out of yeah. the year, and let's kind of shift now to this Evansville baseball team. The season starts in a couple of weeks. We're hosting the conference tournament coming up into May. We'll talk about that here shortly, but the strides this program has made the last few years. Um, it starts at the top with West Carroll, not only winning games, but just the overall environment, fan-like atmosphere he's created you know, between us, and he's very open to who all wants to cover the team. So as we kind of get ready for this year, how impressed are you with what he's been able to do the last few years with this group of guys that is really having one more run here in 2024? I mean, the job that West Carroll has done with that program has been remarkable. Um, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for Wes. I went to school with Wes. Mm -hmm. We had class together. <laughs> I could tell you some stories about that, but I won't. But when he got the job, um, you know, it. <laughs> truth be told, I was on the committee to hire the coach after 08. And we told Wes, we were like, look, you have to sell us. Like, you have to tell us and sell us as to why you should be the head coach because he was the assistant on the 08 team. And our stumbling block was how could we hire an assistant off a team that went 14 and 42 because you, you were part of that. Right. And he definitely sold us. We met him, met with him, and five minutes in, I was like, okay, this guy's the coach. Like, no doubt. No doubt. And I knew that because I worked with the 07 and 08 teams. So I knew what Wes was capable of, but he took it to a different level. And I feel like he's been able to do that since he's gotten German-American Bank Field with this program. Because, you know, a lot of fans forget, and that's okay, that there were a couple of rough years there uh, for Wes. And even Wes talked about how the program was not where he wanted it to be, and he needed to create the culture that he really wanted, and that was not being afraid to go out and schedule tough and playing tough competition and being able to hold guys accountable because sometimes that's very difficult. I know fans don't necessarily think about that, but in this day and age, it is a lot harder to hold people accountable 
than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And that's not just me being like, ah, get off my lawn. <laughs> it's just true. It is, yeah. It is 100% true. But, you know, he had a discussion with uh, Mark Spencer at the time, right before German American Bank Field was built. And he said, if I go out and I really schedule how I want to schedule, will I be fired if I have a losing record? And he said, no. And once Wes heard those words, he was like, all right, it's on. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, he really built a program of guys who are blue collar, who are just going to go out and grind. And they're not going to be afraid of anybody. And they're not going to back down. And they are going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And in that, he has also created a culture where he has made it family. He's always had that along the along the way. Family has always been big with him, but the last couple of years, I've really seen that grow more and include like the the parents and the people around the program. And when you build that culture, when you can do that, you can get guys or girls, doesn't matter, both sports, you can get people to believe they can achieve more then maybe they honestly can if they're just doing it individually. And I think that's what Wes, that's one of the reasons why Wes is so good. And he, can, he can get you to believe that you can do things more than maybe when you come in you're thinking, yeah, I can do that. And let's be realistic too. You know, the one battle that we fight here at Evansville is players – they have a couple good years. They go to a bigger school, right? With this year's team for baseball, you have some guys that could have been like, hey, I'm done. I'm going to go try to play maybe minor league baseball or go play at a bigger school for, for one last year. But this group has stuck together. For me, this is my sixth year calling games on radio. Now, the first couple, we didn't do a heavy dose of baseball. But I would say the last now three years doing a full schedule, I mean, I don't really know Aces baseball on a consistent basis without this group. And there was a quote that came out and said they're old and salty as hell, which yes. is true because yes. they've been so close to the tournament the last two years. But this group, again, for the most part, they've stayed their full career, maybe even an extra season here, and they're giving it one last run. So this really is a special group. It really is. And, and you know, it, it's a testament to those guys because they bought in when German American Bank Field was built. They bought into the culture when, at a time when Evansville was struggling. They've helped build it up, and it came to a point where they've gotten so close that they're like, I want to see this through. They know what they're capable of because they have grown to that point where they are capable of it. They haven't been able to achieve it. And it says a lot about them as people to be like, look, job's not done. We've got to get this job done. And, you know, that unfortunately is missing in a lot of things in this world right now where people are okay with sticking to it and being like, you know what? It's tough rough sledding right now but we are going to get this job done mm -hmm. and we'll see if they can get the job done this year what will it be like if chase hug gets a walk-off grand slam at home this year in the conference tournament to win it i don't know if the new press boxes are going to be able to hold you <laughs> because what people don't know okay you've heard the call and i'm sure jevin at some point he could probably insert the call right here spencer deals Swing and a fly ball, deep into right field. It's at the track, it's at the wall, it's gone! It's a walk-off grand slam! And the Aces season continues! Unreal! 6-5 Evansville wins it! Chase Hug grand slam! They're going bonkers! Above the first base dugout and down the right field line! So are we! We'll play one more! A winner-take-all championship game! I don't believe it! 
down to their last out. Nobody on. A walk, a single, a walk, and a grand slam from Chase Hug. How do you like that? The Sycamore faithful are stunned. Let's play two, Tom Vincent. Let's play two. Wow. I don't know what to say. I think you said it all. Aces fans giving it to the Sycamores. All right. So what you didn't see there, folks, is Jevin Redmond was literally bouncing around the entire booth. We're in a booth that, you know, it's probably, what, eight, ten feet wide? Yeah, that's fair. About that. And it's, you know, probably about, it's a little deeper, like probably six feet deep. And he was literally in every spot. I almost thought at one point you were going to end up on my lap. Like, I'm sitting there watching the ball go out, and I feel you against my shoulder. And then I turn, and you're jumping all over the place. And I have never seen you like that. That was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had in my 25 years here. You know, I try to stay fairly even keel. I, I don't I don't want to be a homer. You know, I'm yeah. pro you. I want them to win, sure. Yeah. But I try to be professional and be fair. I don't know where that came from in terms of I've had exciting calls and stuff. But as far as the bouncing around, it was so unexpected because, again, you're basically on the road. Indiana State has a place packed. Their fans aren't the most friendly people in the world. No. So nope. Nope. you nope. were a little bit invested in that aspect. And you're down three runs. Nobody on two outs. I mean, honest truth. I'm calling the action. I'm like, hey, when the last out's made, I'm going to put my head down. I don't want to see the celebration. I'll make the call. We'll go to break, whatever. And Yeah. We'll be I, I was right there with okay. you. So I was fully prepared for that. I think we had two strikes on us a couple of times. Uh, we had two strikes on three straight batters. That's right. Yeah, it was like, it was like, three straight. Yes, yeah. because Brendan Horde was up. Yep. And when Hordy was up, you know, he had a really good at bat going against Spencer. But Spencer is so good. Like, yeah. so, like there's a reason why the dude's a, a second team All American. Like he is a dude. But he had he had Hordy to two strikes, and I looked at you, and you looked at me, and we had that both look of all right, this is it, this yep. is over. And then he missed, and I was like, okay, all right. We're good. We're still alive. We're all right. And then Ben Stewart came up. And we're like, ah, okay. Not, all a, right. ton, not, not a ton of a bats from Stewart no, throughout the no. year. So, yeah. and, and that's a tough matchup because, yep. again, Spencer is just so filthy. Even though it was right on left, I liked Ben in the matchup, but he was going to have to try to hunt a fastball. And Spencer was just flipping sliders all over the place on the corners. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. And he got down to two strikes. And we looked at each other again. And we were like, okay, here it is. And then Ben bounced went up the middle. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I ain't heard no fat lady. Like, <laughs> let's go here. We got, Ro- we got Ricky Bobby up. <laughs> like, let's go. Here we go. This is what we wanted. And then Eric sent that foul ball down the first baseline yeah. that would have tied it. And I almost thought you jumped out the window <laughs> because Eric crushed that ball. Yes, he did, yes. And you about ended up in about the fourth row. <laughs> but then he walked, and I was like, all right, this is it. Like, Chuggy's going to do it. And then Chase got down to two strikes, and I was like, oh, no, don't do this. <laughs> you know, so when the ball leaves his bat, like, it's almost like it was slow motion. And, like, right off the bat, I'm like, this thing's gone, okay? So I start to make my call, and I really don't remember about 30 seconds after that. Like, it's almost kind of like a, a blackout moment. Yeah. So you make the call, but I remember, like, my voice was very high pitched. Like, it's a walk-off grand slam. Like, there was no controlling at that point, so I just went with it. Next thing I know, I'm standing behind Tom Benson. <laughs> yes. Like, what am I doing over here? <laughs> Let me get back here. And I sat down, and that's the 
first time in my career, I think, where honestly I was shaking a little bit just yes. because it was it was just so unexpected, exciting. I see our team celebrate, our little section of purple going crazy and a sea of blue. You have Logan Bells running down the right field <laughs> line. He's hyping up the crowd. That's my next favorite part. I'm going to shoot it because I'm comfortable yes, with yeah, it. So yeah, Log- Logan is hyping up the crowd. And I, <laughs> I see Ziggy on the first base you know, dugout waving at Logan like, get off the field. <laughs> I wish I had that on video. I yes. don't. Yeah, but it's, it's still very vivid in my mind, and I still tease Logan about it to this day. But, you know, I texted Wes after the second game when Evansville lost. Actually, Wes texted me and said, hey, great call. Thanks for all the coverage yeah. and, and that. And I said, I know it's disappointing and it hurts a lot. I said, but what you guys did the, the week of that run, the season, and even that game, you gave everybody their memories that they'll remember for the rest of their life. What you guys did today was amazing and something that I remember no matter what I do in my career. Um, yeah, that's that's up there in, in my career as far as top moments for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so – it's hard, but I have a 1A and a 1B, and that is 1A just because of you jumping around. <laughs> 1B is the Robbie Minor walk-off Grand Slam against Lehigh in the NCAA tournament in 06. Uh, but that was, uh, that was to cap a seven-run rally mm-hmm. in the ninth, but we were tied. So, like, we knew we were going to extras. Like, Chase doesn't hit that ball. Indiana State's dogpiling right then and there, and me and you are just putting our heads down and not watching for the next 10 minutes. Instead, Chase hits that ball, and I have to admit, I have never come closer to dropping an (laughs) F-bomb in the middle of a call than I was right there when Chase hit it because when he hit it, I almost said, oh, fill in the blank, because I was like, I think he just did it. And then I'm watching the ball. And again, you're bouncing around, and I'm trying not to ruin your call because that's the one thing I knew as a play-by-play guy. That's my biggest pet peeve is when the color guy goes in over the top. And I was like, I have to shut up because if you don't shut up, you're going to break FCC rules. But I was like, just shut up. Just sit there and shut up. And so I did. And then you made the cardinal sin that I hate as a color guy of being like, and Tom Benson, I don't even know what you said. And I was like, oh, crap, he said my name. So I, I said, have to I respond said, to that. I said, let's play two, Tom Benson. Let's play two. And there was like a pause. pause. Because I didn't know what to say. You're like, I think you said it all. <laughs> yes. That was the dumbest line I think I've ever said on radio. But I, looking back on it, like, I think it was a good call because it's something that I don't normally do in terms of, of being that level of excited. And, and yeah. I went on probably way too long. but No, it was worth it. It was 100% and it's worth cringy it. for me because it's very high pitch, but I think it, it made the moment. And another thing I remember is looking down. You hit down, puberty. Congratulations. I did, yes, finally, after <laughs> yes. 29 years. I know. Um, I'm proud of you. But no, looking down, and, and Donovan Schultz's dad, who have gotten to know very well, and same with Donovan, you know, he's pretty even keel as well, right? I mean, he's jumping up and down. He's sitting by himself in the middle of Indiana State fans. He turns around, and we kind of make eye contact, and he just goes, Hell yeah, Jimmy! <laughs> I gave him his fist pump, and like, that that was awesome. That was amazing. But Yeah, when Chuck Horde was jumping up and down, that's when, he, that's when it hit, hit home for me. Yeah. Um, so... Hopefully they can take that next step this year and make the NCAA tournament. It's you know they've accomplished so much. Let's preview the year a bit. Um, again, basically all your position guys return outside yeah. of an Eric Roberts. Um, Man, can you imagine if this team had Roberts back? I don't yeah. know where they would put everybody. Honestly, you're running out of spots, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and pitching wise, your your top two starters return. In the bullpen, you lose your closer and Hardman. Um, so two very important pieces, Roberts and Hardman not back. But, again, there's so much returning that they're going to they're gonna fill those voids, I think. What – I don't want to say concern, but for this team to take that next step, what has to happen this year? They have to stay healthy. 
100%. Wes would, if Wes was sitting right next to us, we should have had Wes on this. Should have, yeah. Yeah, third headset, man. That You want to talk about a, a, a podcast that would go on forever, though. Um, but no, they have to stay healthy. And that's the, the little concern right now mm-hmm. because there are a couple of guys who have some injuries in the preseason that you kind of hoping are, are key cogs. And they're not like major injuries, but they're injuries that you're kind of like, ah, let's, let's make sure they get through this okay, make sure that it doesn't turn into something major. Um, but, you know, that's, that's really the key. They have to stay healthy. And as Wes has said, they have to start better than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, this team starts slow, catches fire right around March Madness time, and then proceeds to play really well, you know, all the way through. But they have to start sooner. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really tough this year because you got Oral Roberts, who, for those who don't know college baseball, uh, yeah, they, uh, they just made it to Omaha last year, uh, College World Series participant. They won a game. Uh, in dramatic fashion themselves. I'm sure their radio announcer was jumping around the booth as well. And <laughs> and I'll tell you, TD Ameritrade or whatever it's called nowadays, you know, those booths are big enough. You can jump around in them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so you open there, and then you got to go back on the road another weekend with New Orleans, who is a sneaky good team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a team a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, New Orleans, you should go down and sweep them. Uh, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. They're, they're really good. And then you got Mississippi State coming up after a couple of weekends that or the weekend against Purdue Fort Wayne, which you should succeed in. Mm-hmm. And then you got Mississippi State, which at Mississippi State, that's one of the crazier environments in college baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a tough start. But if they can if they can really come out of the gates hot, especially offensively, they have the offense to put three really good weekends together before going to Mississippi State. Yeah, one through nine, very dangerous lineup. Um, we talk about the offensive lot. Defensively, though, they're pretty good, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Left side of the infield. I say pretty good, like pretty kind good. of being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah I mean, they yeah. tough to find a better defensive team, I think, in college baseball. You look at the left side of the infield with Simon Sherry and Brent Witter. Um, the outfield, Ty Rumsey in center field. I'm just kind of mentioning the top three guys, but they're solid every position. They really uh, are. And what you know what amazed me last year? There was some concern whenever Tanner Craig graduated, like, hey, who's going to play first base? I heard about Chase Hug. I mean, I knew his bat was very good, but he exceeded my expectations defensively. So is this – the best defensive team you've seen in your time here at Evansville overall? That's really tough, honestly, because the 06 team was really good. Yeah. Really good. I mean, Kyle Smith is still probably the best defensive second baseman I've ever seen. Um, I I would give Sherry the edge over Robbie Miner at short, mm-hmm. and that's just a small edge. And people don't realize Robbie Miner ranks in the top ten all-time in NCAA history in career assists, so the guy could play short. Um Third base, Witter is just amazing. Mm. Um, that's the thing. Like, third base, Witter is better than the platoon they had at third in 06. But I think Casey Wall at first, even though Chase Hug was a first-team all-defensive team, like, Casey Wall could catch anything. So that's where it's like, that's that's really tough. But the, I will say the left side of the diamond, best I've ever seen. Witter made a play. I was out at, at their first-team practice the other day, and they were – taken infield before inner squad and West Carroll purposely sends a chopper third base side foul territory. Witter runs over, backhands it, 
at least 10 to 15 feet into foul territory, right near where the warning track would be. Backhands, like transfers, jumps, throws, one hopper right to first. I was like, let's go. Baseball season, we're ready. Here we go. Well, he's made the, the switch so easy. I mean, he started short, and then he was playing second, and all of a sudden he was playing third. And, uh, again, an infielder is an infielder, but – you know, third base position is not easy to play. No, and he and makes he's made it. it look easy. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, he makes it look easy. I think that was one of the things. I mean, no disrespect to Ben Stewart and Eric Roberts, who played third when Witter was injured last year, but man, it's just not a comparison. Brent makes plays, and you're just like, okay. Pitching wise, in my opinion. They just can't be bad. They have to be average or good. If they're average or good, I think this team's going to win a lot of games, right? So in your mind, what does the pitching staff have to do for this team to reach the goals they, they have? Well, the starters have to give you at least six, um, which, I, I mean, we're, we're talking stuff that general baseball fans or baseball coaches would be like, well, yeah. I mean, if my starter gives me six, I'm good. You just – you can't have that blow-up inning where all of a sudden you look and you're like, oh, it's 7-3 to three and not in a good way. Okay. Like, I do think our offense can bail us out of some of those times, but you, you don't want to rely on that. You don't want to rely on that. And you just need consistency. I mean, I thought that was one of the keys last year. You know, you knew you were going to get five out of Nick Smith. You've known you've, you're going to get five out of Nick Smith for the last two years. But Donovan Schultz stepping up and doing what he did, and then Tyler Dino also being consistent enough to give you five last year, you felt pretty good on a weekend. And then the way Jarrett Blunt developed at the end of the year, I'd like to have that guy back Absolutely. for another year. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> give me MVC tournament Jarrett Blunt, and this team wins about 55 games. <laughs> Uh, so the season coming up early February, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, we don't work that many hours in a week, what, maybe 25, no. 30 hours. So yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm fully expecting Tom Benson on every road trip with me on radio this year. <laughs> I don't know how the wife feel about it, but. Yeah, that could be a, that could be the hard part. You'll right go now. on one, right? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some <laughs> rumors about some series that I have to go to because there may be uh, some TV involved. Um, I wanted to bring this up. Uh, it's a podcast. We're all over the place, right? Yeah, I, I'm, this is fair game. We're talking about anything. I was, and if you're still l listening, God bless God you. God bless you. What, I don't <laughs> even know what we are. We're probably around the 40-minute mark. Uh, yeah, 42 minutes. Mm. So, for me, this is one of the more bizarre situations here at Evansville. Of course, COVID ruined a lot of things, oh, right? Yeah. Can we not talk about that? Yeah, we're going to, though. Yeah, um, I know you are. 2021. Of course, uh -huh. you had volleyball playing in the spring. There's there's two <laughs> there's two memories that stand out. The first is not as extreme, but you know I did the road games for basketball from Brandon McClish's office, mm -hmm. and they were playing at Loyola in February. I still remember broadcasting the game, going to break, and then hearing in Meeks Family Fieldhouse from Al Bregan, "Point Purple Aces." We yes. have volleyball going on during basketball. That yes. stands out, and then you guys were shoveling snow from the soccer stadium seats to get to the press box so you could broadcast a volleyball match in the winter from the soccer press box yeah yeah you ever I, think about think back how crazy that was oh i <laughs> every single day i know it made your life hell as in charge of espn plus yeah but. i mean that i mean that's the thing when i ran espn first off when they when they entered into an agreement with espn Mark Spencer at the time came to me and was like, do you want to run our ESPN program? Because I started our streaming here at Evansville back in like 06 with just a single computer and a laptop. And then it kind of developed as the league put a little resources into it. And then they come in and they're like, all right, we're going to go to ESPN Plus. 
or ESPN three yeah. because ESPN plus didn't exist at the time. And Mark was like, do you want to run our program? And I said, no offense, but you can find somebody way better than me to run your program. Uh, I had never really been in a TV production truck before. I had just done streaming, vastly different ball game than TV. I was like, no, like you can find somebody better. And he was like, okay. And then he came back to me a couple of weeks later and was like, so you want to run my ESPN three program? And at that point there were some things going on and I was like, yes, yes, I do. I want to run your ESPN program. So we had to build the truck, which we literally built the truck in a month. I had never wired anything together like that before in my life. If I ever do it again, like just take me out. <laughs> like I don't need to do that. There are so many things I did wrong back then, but hey, it worked. We're good. And, and we got ESPN3, ESPN Plus rolling, and then we hit COVID. And I remember, you know, thinking, how in the world are we going to do this? Because I was like, we have the fiber infrastructure in place to be able to put cameras in Meeks. And, but announcing-wise, how in the world are we going to do this safely? Because you had to have social distancing, and announcers couldn't be in the same spot and everything. So I was just... Sitting there, racking my brain, being like, how are we going to do this? I was talking to Jacob Lutz, who now runs the AV department for the Nashville Predators, and the dude's a genius. And I was like, Lutzy, how in the world are we going to do this? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, Lutzy, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> but then we thought about it, and we were like, well, we have fiber to the soccer press box. We could run fiber to the soccer press box for our announcers. We have two booths up in the soccer press box. If we ran video and audio cables over to get the signal from the other booth to the main booth, then we could put it through the fiber and put it to the truck. And, oh, yeah, by the way, if we did some things, remote PC took over some computers, then we could have people up in the baseball press box running our stats in the truck to keep a minimum of four people in the truck. And we're like, yeah, let's do this. We're like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> And then it started snowing, and I was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so there was a volleyball match early on in conference. We got six inches of snow and ice. We were going to play the match, and I was like, our announcers need to get to the soccer press box, which has no heat, but there's also no elevator. So I have to shovel the entire pathway to the soccer press box to broadcast a volleyball match. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's real life. Oh, it got real. It got <laughs> real and it got real quick. And that's where I'm like, well, thank God I'm from Cleveland and grew up in a snow belt because shoveling snow, not a problem. I remember showing up doing a game in January. It was a women's basketball game, but again, from the soccer press box. And it was, I mean, below 20 degrees, freezing out. Yes. So I showed up. I had, you know, my long underwear on, sweatpants, tennis shoes. And then I put my jacket and tie on and had a blanket over my legs. We had a space heater. It's just like the only people knew. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, no one, no one listening in right now probably had any clue that any of that was going on. Because that's the magic of television. We were able to make it look like, yes, you were in separate booths. But you had no clue where those booths were. Like, for all they knew, you were in some warm location. And they didn't know once you guys were off the camera, once we got through the open, we were like, okay, guys, bundle up. Right, like, yeah. Put your heavy coats on. Just like, stay warm. Stay as warm as possible. Just don't let your teeth chatter during the broadcast. Where does a Whataburger cheeseburger rank on your uh, oh, fast food rankings? God, that number one. I've never seen you so happy with food in my life. I've never been so happy with food in my life. And my father is a 
or my father-in-law is a former pitmaster in Kansas City. So to tell a story, we're at Missouri State with uh, baseball this past spring. That was Tom. the best idea to go on that road trip. So Tom makes a trip. I'm like, hey, you got to have Whataburger. I said, I experienced one at WKU. We went to Texas on a trip, and their SID uh, said, you know, best burger you'll have fast food. I'm like, it can't be that good. Yeah. So I share that story with Tom, and I'm like, you have to try it. Well, the Whataburger in Springfield, it was a good, what, 25, 30 minutes out of the way from where we were staying? Yeah, because of the fact that the one that they were building right next to our right hotel across the street was not, was open, not yet. open yet. Yeah. So I'm like, Wait, thank God for that, because <laughs> we would have come back like 60 pounds heavier <laughs> if that was the case. So I'm like, hey, it'll be worth it. So you know, we made the trip, basically an hour-round trip to get yeah, Whataburger. Yep. And uh, we get back to the hotel, and Tom, you're sitting Indian style on the bed, and the comment you made, you're like, I just need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I'm bummed. We're, we're, we don't play at Missouri State this year for baseball, so I don't get Whataburger. I know, but when we go back, there's one right across <laughs> the street now. And there's that top golf that was across the, That's right. the street as well. Man, if we get some nice weather, just go hit a Whataburger, go hit some golf balls, go back to Whataburger, go see the game. Like, that's a good Friday. You know, I was pleased with you. You liked Whataburger. But then a few weeks later, we went to uh, WKU for a oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. I knew you were going to bring this and up. T- and Tom said he didn't really care for Raising Cane's, and we almost had a fight. Yeah. Yeah. I was glad I made it back that night because <laughs> I literally thought you were going to leave me in Owensboro at that Raising Cane's when I said, you know what, Jevin? It just doesn't do it for me. Nothing breaks my heart more than someone saying Zaxby's is better than Raising Cane's. I just like the Zax sauce better. I'm just going to say it. So our last road trip with men's basketball, we were up in Iowa, and we were going to the game at Northern Iowa, and I think it was shooter on actually. And that got brought up, and Coach Rogan's like, yeah, I just prefer Zaxby's over Raising Cane's. See, that's and why I'm, me I'm, I almost had heard the head coach. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> what are we doing here? See, that's where me and Raglan, we always see eye to eye. You know, it's one of those things. I respect so much about Coach Raglan, but I lost a little bit of respect that day yeah, when he said Zaxby's better than Raising Canes. Yeah, but I understand that. This is really no different than a baseball broadcast. This. Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Swing by the miss, the, and we'll way, be back. The yeah. Ace are leading 3 nothing after 2. No, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, hopefully it doesn't take an hour to complete two innings. But yeah, uh, no, this uh, there may be a couple of games this year that uh, <laughs> offensively <laughs> – uh, yeah, it's okay if the Aces are up 8 nothing. Yeah, we'll yeah take I was going to say it could be like 10 nothing or something like that after two in some of these games. Yeah, watching, com- watching them in the fall, holy cow. Like, whatever Brendan Horde did this summer, like, he just needs to do that every day. He hit a ball against USI at Bossy Field in the exhibition game, and I was like, hoo, hoo, hoo. And then Chase Hug was like, oh, yeah, you want to see something further? I'm going straight that away out to dead center. Which, at Bossy Field, I mean, anyone who's ever been out there, you hit one to dead center over the brick wall and sit dead center, you're doing some you, work. You earned it, yeah. Yeah. Let's finish up with this on a, on a more serious note. Uh, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference Baseball Tournament, I mentioned one of your favorite events. Evansville gets to host it this year. Um, May know, not be my favorite event by that say, point. <laughs> I, know, I know that means a lot more work for, yes. for the people on staff. Um, but, again, for what this group has done, they've stuck together a chance to play on their home turf. The community can come out and watch them in, in a special environment. So, believe it or not, we're, what, three months away from it, four months? We are. Um, so, a lot of work still has to be done, but how excited are you for that, that week here in Evansville? I'm going to be really excited when that week is over, yeah. but I, I'm i super proud for Wes and the program that they're able to do that. And I hope that the city of Evansville comes out and supports the tournament and supports the program, especially that week, because – you're going to see some of the best baseball 
around. Mm. Like, that's one thing I don't think people realize how good Missouri Valley Conference baseball is and how good college baseball is. And, you know, a lot of times the Valley is a top five, top six league in college baseball. And you're going to see it. And there is a lot of good talent. Like, Missouri State, Zach Stewart, that guy is going to be playing for a long time. Uh, I mean, there was nobody that I saw last year that impressed me more than him uh, with what he was able to do. And, and, you know, they have they have Brant Thompson back, right-hander. Now, that's fine by, by Evansville standards because uh, we had some success against Mr. Thompson. But, I mean, he's a draft. I mean, Murray State's bringing a lot back. SIU is JUCO U. Uh, sure. They only have yep. juniors and seniors. So they're going to be a tough out. Indiana State, I mean, they have the potential to be a top 25 program again this year mm-hmm. with what they have back and what they have coming in. And they got some guys that, you know, they'll be playing beyond this year and, and next in the pros. So, I mean, you have a chance to see some really good college baseball and there's nothing better than the tournament like you know having been there there's a different feel there's a different vibe about every game because it can literally be win or go home and you get usually a great walk off or two Mm -hmm. And it is just high-level baseball. And if you can win that first game, second game, it just continues to build as the week goes along. Oh, yeah. With attention, people invested. And I will say this. We'll see if you're the same. Um, I know I said one more thing, and here we are probably 15 minutes later. But yeah. broadcasting-wise, I try not to get too invested in wins and losses. Um, calling bigger basketball games versus bigger baseball games. When it's a big baseball game, I get a little nervous as a broadcaster. Yeah. There, there is some anxiety. I'm not going to lie. Uh, basketball, I think there's this – it's so fast-paced. There's adrenaline. That you can kind of block it out. But baseball, it can be nerve-wracking, those big games. It can. It really can. I mean, so I called I called NCAA men's basketball tournament from the floor of the Superdome mm-hmm. in 99. I've called women's basketball NCAA tournament at LSU. I called women's soccer tournament at home against a Big Ten team. I called the lacrosse final four and had never seen lacrosse in my life until I broadcasted the first game in front of 40,000 people at Maryland. I was more nervous going into the ninth inning of last year's Missouri Valley Conference tournament final Mm -hmm. against Indiana State than I was in any of those games as an announcer just because the the adrenaline is there. I mean, I've called NCAA baseball, and that – that, for me, is just the highest level. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Tom, thanks for coming on. Ace is on the air. We appreciate all you do, and uh, can't wait to get back on the radio here in about a month with you. Oh, thank you, sir. It's it's nice to put these back on with you, <laughs> you know? I'm sure fans are like, God, these guys are still talking an hour later. What the heck? I'm thinking, and you're still listening. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Thank God. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Verbo Vacation Homes come with 24-7 live support. So if you ever need anything, you can reach a real person in about a minute. Hey, how can I help? Verbo, private vacation rentals for you and your people.